0: Good evening, everyone. The time now is 6.03 p.m. I am Kimberly M. Starks, accredited public relations practitioner and principal consultant of the specialist communications firm, Blue Scorpion Reputation Management. This evening, we have the pleasure of having Dr. Bradford Carlton join us, who is going to talk with us this evening about the Gamepreneur brand, the Gamepreneur podcast, and the business of esports. Welcome and good evening, Dr. Bradford. Hello. Pleasure to be
1: here. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Absolutely. Yes. So we want to dive right into this great conversation. But before we do, I'd like to roll out the red carpet for you and share with everyone a little bit of background about you. So Dr. Bradford Carlton is the best-selling author of The Warcraft of Business. He brings years of experience as a corporate law attorney and as a high stakes business consultant and coach to help gamers everywhere speed run their success and turn their business dreams into reality. An influencer in his own right through the Gamepreneur brand that he created as a case study Dr. Carlton focuses on showing gamepreneurs, gaming entrepreneurs, the secret elements of success required in business growth, brand development, and sales and marketing systems. So everyone, Dr. Bradford Carlton, how are you this evening?
1: I'm incredible. It is a beautiful sunny day in Las Vegas. How about yourself?
0: (laughs) Yes, the same, beautiful and sunny in Atlanta. One day we'll have to uh, try and have a podcast outside so we can experience the the elements.
1: (laughs) Right. Get the the palm trees in there.
0: (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yes. So now that I've read your your bio, Dr. Carlton, tell us more about you and your involvement in esports.
1: Certainly. So I I guess I should tell you a little bit about my backstory, you know, where I came from and why I'm here doing this, what I'm doing. Um, So I'm a gamer since before I even remember. I've been playing video games since I was two years old and to date myself, I was born in 86. So, I'm not that old, but I'm not that young either. And I lived in this weird time where adults felt that video games were a complete waste of time. Absolutely complete waste of time. My parents told me I was lazy for playing video games, you know, even though I was getting straight A's and I was doing all the chores in the house and helping raise my brother and sister and, and working and all that didn't matter. You know, I could have been reading a book. I'm fine playing video games, not good. So my entire life, I was being told there's absolutely no future in this thing that you enjoy doing. And so I figured there's no future in it. Why would I not trust my family? Right? So I went to college and then I went to law school. And in law school, they really beat it into us that we're not children anymore. You're, you're not allowed to say, dude, you're not allowed to play video games. And I was a California boy, so all I did was say, dude, play video games. But, you know, I, I drank the Kool-Aid. I, I was a real attorney, right? Um, I got out into the professional world. I ended up being the court administrator for a county probate court system. I ended up becoming a partner at an elder law firm uh, when I was 27 years old. It was a 28-year-old law practice, and I was just good at what I did. Did. And I, I never knew what it was, and it wasn't until years later I was able to look back on my life and realize, you know, so many of the skills that I have developed, uh, like persistence and focus and critical thinking, all came from my practice of playing video games over and over and over and over again. And so um, after becoming a partner, my wife and I started start our own law practice together. And um, that was when I really started to learn digital marketing and entrepreneurship. So I switched my focus from elder law to business law, really started getting into the corporate side of things. And um, one day, my daughter was born. It was, it was actually a really rough day uh, for me because my wife and daughter almost died together during delivery. And because my wife was the trial attorney and she was nearly bedridden for a year, that was the end of our practice. So I had to figure out what am I going to do, right? Because that was, that was what I did. And, you know, here I am business, but I don't go to court. So I figured I could do business consulting because it's not a far throw from business law. So we got some small clients in, in our little town in Ohio. And one day, my wife, after getting her feet back under her goes, you know, there's not much opportunity here. So moved to the big city, you know, more opportunity. And here in town, I actually joined up with a consulting firm, you know, old gray-haired guys who'd been around the block, who'd run, you know, managed hundreds of millions of dollars kinds of guys. And within three weeks of meeting me, they actually made, the pres- made me the president of their consulting firm here in town. And so I just got this whirlwind tour of everything to do with business. And, you know, it's funny because I, I was a business law attorney, right? Attorneys are the most pretentious people you'll ever meet. And I will admit, I was one of those people I thought I knew it all. And when I got to this consulting firm, I realized I know nothing about business. So I I was really getting a real education. All three of these gentlemen who ran the place treated me kind of like a surrogate son. They really wanted to impart all their wisdom on me. And so for like this one year, I just got this absolutely incredible education dealing with businesses, dealing in hundreds of millions of dollars and funders and stuff like that. And then They all at the same time decided to retire and I was on my own again. So here I am and I have all these new skills and I'm able to go off and get a couple of clients of my own, thankfully, and not, not the little clients anymore. I was able to get some nice size clients and it was August, September of 2019. I woke up one morning and you know, I had, I've done some incredible things in my life and I had kind of done it again. I, I had the house and the wife and the family's all doing good. Right. And the money, but I wasn't happy. And at this point I've kind of jumped around, right? There's gotta be something wrong with me. So I go to my coach and we have some discussions and it turns out like my passion has been always will be video games. That's kind of the kind of person I am It's the people I get along with the best. So I start looking at the gaming space and whether I can do anything there and it became, so obvious to me, you know, with my background, that's very, very, very few people in the gaming industry, the esports industries have any clue what they're doing. It's 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 actually staggering how many people just are just kind of winging it, hoping that they could pull it off. Maybe they, um, you know, many, I see many esports organizations, someone was in college, they played Something they were good at it, maybe won a championship, decided to start a business because that's kind of the love, the passion that they had. And so they grab a couple of buddies, they start a business, and now now what do they do? They, they're not taught this stuff, and the, there really isn't the professional presence in this space to be able to teach people this stuff. So that's my involvement in the eSports space to roundabout answer your question, is I'm a professional, I have this background, and I'm able to impart that knowledge and kind of guide people to success.
0: And I love the fact that you shared your story. Thank you so much for taking us on, on that journey. And you've had several touch points along the way, career-wise and personally. So thank you for, for sharing that. One of the things that sticks out for me is that you have passion. You've always had passion for video games. And you mentioned that those that, Your love for video gaming also translated into skill sets that are applicable in business. So talk a little bit about about that, your passion, one, and skills that you learn from video gaming that are applicable in business.
1: Certainly. So there's, there's the basic ones like persistence. You know, if you've ever played Super Mario Brothers the original back on the NES, if you, if Mario just stands there, a Goomba comes along and runs into him and he dies, right? So you have to figure out how to get past that Goomba, then you got to get past the first pipe and the first plant. And like, you, you try over and over and over again, each time you do it, you get a little bit farther. Uh, so that's kind of like the basic one in critical thinking, you know, how to solve these puzzles. Specifically, you know, when I was back in college, I actually played a game called World of Warcraft. And it's it's an online multi, a massively multiplayer online role playing game. And that just means there's a lot of people playing all at once in one place together and i was i was shy i was awkward i didn't really know how to make friends when i first started playing this game and within a couple months of starting this game i was um leading groups of 40 people into dungeons and coordinating their activity in order to conquer that dungeon and you know to someone who's never played a video game that's like oh it's it's a game it's like herding cats it's 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 really is like running a business. And I was also the guild leader. So I managed not just the the specific activities we were doing, but I was also managing the the organization and the community that we had. So I was doing uh, budget management because we had to figure out how we were spending the money in this community. I was doing um, strategic development. How are we going to be able to beat the monsters that we have to fight? I was doing recruiting and performance reviews because we were doing this seven days a week, eight hours a day. So we needed good people to help us do it. So I was learning all of these business skills and so many other gamers are learning these business skills and communications like I said I was shy and awkward but all of a sudden I was on you know platforms like this having to talk to people and give specific instructions and had to you know figure out the best way to handle people at you know at one point somebody told me they were going to commit suicide while I was playing this game and I had to figure out what do you do I was never trained for that so you know I think so many people who play video games, they're, they're given short shrift on the things that they're actually doing when someone doesn't understand gaming.
0: That is the, the what you just explained is, is excellent. I'd always gone in with uh, video gaming being an exercise of teamwork, but that's simply scratching the surface. Because And I wrote down everything that you said from persistence to critical thinking, leadership, budget management, strategic management, recruiting and communications. And to your point of being in a crisis situation and having to think on your feet when you initially going to you know, the environment to play games, it's pivoting in the moment. So all of those things are, are really important. I like the fact that you mentioned World of Warcraft because you have written a best-selling book, uh, The uh, Business of Warcraft. Did Warcraft I get The Warcraft
1: of Business. The Warcraft
0: <laughs> of Business, yes. So I, I don't want to gloss over the fact that you are an author that is amazing in its own right. So I'd love to hear more about your book.
1: Certainly. So my book is actually, um, how did somebody phrase it? It's 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 not a real life telling of my experience playing World of Warcraft, and so many of the stories that I just mentioned there are, you know, from the perspective of my character. So I kind of did it, a discussion from the perspective of my character, going in and having to live in this world and kind of being this this leader in that world. But also then I pull back and, you know, what are the business lessons that we can pull from what he had to do? And, you know, I I tell many of my real life stories that I was able to take a lesson from that time I was playing a video game and bring it forward. just as an example, when I got out of law school, I was hired by a county court, a probate court in, uh, in Ohio, and I started as a, a part-time law clerk, but then I was promoted up to staff attorney and then bailiff and then court administrator. And as court administrator, I had a little bit of say on what the staff is supposed to do, and I'm 25 years old, never been trained how to handle staff in a professional educational setting. So I had to pull back to, well, when I was playing this video game and I had to deal with people, how did I do that?
0: That, that is great. I, and I'm, I'm curious. I just, I just have to know, did you ever go back to your parents to say, listen, I was able to pull some really good lessons from video gaming. Did you ever go back and have that conversation?
1: Um, So I actually did not tell my parents I was doing the gamerpreneur until a year after I had started it. So it was uh, about Halloween of 2020 and it, it, it did that conversation didn't go anywhere?
0: <laughs> ah, I was hoping for them to say, oh my goodness, i'm I'm so proud and okay well i'm I'm here to tell you that the translation from playing video games and, you know, making that uh, that point that, you are able to gain real world life lessons from playing video games. You know, I certainly don't want for that to be lost on on our audience and, and for people who are learning about video gaming and esports, it's really important and it is very applicable
1: to you. Absolutely. I, I like to think, you know, what could I have done in my life? You know, what school could I have gone to if I had been able to put World of Warcraft on my resume? You know, back in 2008, when I graduated, I would have gotten laughed out of anywhere if that was on my resume. But, you know, now today, if somebody were to hand me a resume and they said they played an MMO and they were a guild leader and they managed these people and they 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 lifted it out, I I want to give that person a little more consideration because they've actually done something real world, in in essence, uh, with the skills that I would be looking for in an employee.
0: You're absolutely right. These are exciting times. Students are getting entire scholarships from playing video games and and being on collegiate esports teams. So times definitely have changed. Now, I'm interested to find out, about the Gamepreneur, which is your podcast. So tell us all about it.
1: Sure thing. So two syllable, well, I guess more than two syllables, but Gamerpreneur.
0: Gamerpreneur. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, so I just took the entree off and then threw Gamer okay. on there. Uh, okay. So I, when my coach told me I needed to work with gamers, I had no idea where to start. I hadn't looked at it in something like six, seven years. I hadn't really played video games in that much time because I was really focused on being an attorney in that professional lifestyle. And so I all I knew was Twitch, and Twitch is Amazon's streaming platform where people are playing video games, right? So you know when I would be working or doing you know working on casework or something like that, I might have somebody playing a video game just doing something while I was really focused. And so I went over to that platform and I just started reaching out to people saying hey there, this is who I am, here's all the testimonials, here's the books I've written, here's the, um, the money I've helped make people, I would love to come work for you for free to be able to just get my foot in the door, you know, help build you up, prove that I can do what I've done, I've helped build other influencers, let me help you too, and like, that's how I want to get into this industry. And every single person I talk to is like, that sounds fantastic, Brad, I only have two questions for you. I'm like, okay, what is, what's that? How many viewers do you have? How many followers do you have? And I had never focused on building my own brand. I was always focused on building other people's brands. That was what I got paid to do, right? And so nobody wanted to work with me despite everything else I have done. So instead of pouting, I decided, okay, let me play their game. Cause in my opinion, all of life is a game. Let me play this particular game that they want played which is followers and viewers. So I built a, um, a show, it would give me an interview show called the Gamer Printer podcast and I, I didn't want to be a typical gamer, like like I said, you know, I'd done business for many years. I hadn't really played a lot of video games, and it was going to show if I was trying to do that. I was trying to be a poser, so I wanted to focus on business. And I looked at the landscape, and there was many different outlets talking about esports and streaming and the industries of and particular individuals and what they play and and kind of the game focus. And I, I looked at it, and I realized no one's really talking about the individual who are these people as people, where where do they come from? What are their backgrounds? What makes them good at what they do in their own words? What are their hopes, their fears? What are their failures and successes? And so that's what I wanted to focus on. And so when I started, I decided, you know, I could come in here and I could drop something like $20,000 on ads and graphics and high-end equipment and just make it look really fantastic from the very start. But then when anybody would go to watch me, they would see he's got like six followers, like, there's, there's a disconnect. And so I realized what I wanted to do is I wanted to make it a case study to be able to show other people that you can start with nothing and turn it into something just by following some basic sales and marketing principles. So I, I put no dollars in other than I went and bought a $300 laptop to have a junky webcam. I didn't want to use my nice webcam that I'm currently using. I wanted a junky webcam to be able to simulate somebody's having junk equipment. And so I invested, I invited none of my friends in. I had a 6,000 follower Instagram account. Nobody knew. I didn't tell my family. I didn't tell my friends. I wanted to just kind of go into this completely cold. And I just started reaching out to people and asking, and I knew it was a numbers game. The more people I asked, I would eventually get somebody on. I would then ask those people that I had on, who else do you know? Give me a referral that I can have on the show. Maybe a little more important than you, maybe a little bit bigger than you. And I was able to very quickly go from streamers who had nobody watching them pretty much ever to, I got somebody with 40,000 subscribers on YouTube and then 500,000 subscribers on YouTube. And then I uh, just last uh, in January of this year, I interviewed someone who made 40 million Euro last year and he's running a very successful business. So it, you know, it's like happens quickly if you're able to just kind of take the step up and step up.
0: So now that you have Used yourself as a case study. Is this now a model that you share with others who are aspiring to go from casual gamer to business professional or professional gamer?
1: Absolutely. So I actually do um, five interv- five episodes a week. So. Um, three of those are interviews, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I, I make sure I do three interviews every single week. And then my other, interv- my other episodes, Tuesday, Thursday, are j- it's just me talking about some concept, some business principle, or discussing what I have been doing on the show in order to help it grow. So it's it truly has been a case study. I've been talking about what I've been doing this whole time and the people who've been following along have had success. I had one gentleman, uh, his name is Nick Santiago. He was watching one of my trainings it just watched one video, that's, that was it. And he decided, hey, let me try the sales thing. And he put up a couple um, a couple hundred hours of video footage he had made. That was just B-roll footage, he put it up for sale. He made $600 that day. So you never know what you can do if you just put it out there. Um, I don't know if I answered your question though.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you did, that's, a, that's amazing. So let's go back five days a week, Monday, Wednesday, friday and then you have uh sessions on tuesdays and thursdays we yep. definitely want for people to go and support to uh become involved with your channel share with us how do we find you
1: so my biggest community is on facebook and that's just facebook.com slash the um Quick note for anybody looking to buy a domain out there. If you're gonna buy it, buy it the moment you find it. Don't wait two hours because some some Chinese company will buy your domain from under you. (laughs) I searched for gamerfinewer.com, it was available. I went to tell my wife and she's like, okay, let's do it. But then we had a a client meeting and I came back two hours later and it was taken. That fast. (laughs) That fast.
0: Oh, so now do you have the GG behind it, thegamerpreneur.gg? I I didn't
1: do GG. I went for the, I went thegamerpreneur.com.
0: I see. Got it. Okay. So thegamerpreneur.com. All right. And what times on uh, Monday through Friday can we view your, your show
1: So it uh, premieres at 8 a.m. Pacific, be 11 p.m. Eastern. I don't do it live, um, largely because many of my guests, they sometimes get concerned about doing it live. I've had a lot of people, it's their first time doing an interview, or sometimes, I think it was my fifth interview, this gentleman came on and he just spilled every NDA he had. And he came back a week later. It's like, hey, can we like redo that episode? Because I, I could go to jail if we air that. So I I want I like doing it recorded just for the safety of my guests.
0: Understood. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing about uh, the podcast and how we can uh, view your content. Now going back to Nick Santiago, I love that story. So. Do you have any other highlights, anything that you are proud of as a result of the Gamerpreneur brand, the Gamerpreneur uh, podcast that you'd like to talk about?
1: Oh, I'm very proud of all all of the individuals who watch my show who have some success. Uh, There's a gentleman, I'm not gonna give his real name, but his his handle is Immolated Souls. And um, he'd been streaming on Twitch for eight years. So eight years, he'd been playing video games on this one platform, trying to reach their level of affiliate, which meant he'd be able to get paid from subscriptions to his channel on that platform. And it took um, pretty much one training with me for him to figure out what he needed to do. Within two weeks of this training, he had three partnerships. So he was able to sell product through his channel, not just getting the subscriptions, but then he was able to apply the marketing principles I taught him. And three months later, he made affiliate so you know eight years and you can be able to compress it down that fast just by learning a that's just the basic things is the is, is is for me it's basic right this is what i've i've done um but if there was anything i say i'm i enjoy or i'm most proud of in the show is the very first question i ask on every single interview is how weird are you because i think you know my my mission on the show is to dispel the the myth of the lazy unmotivated basement dweller every so many people who who think about gamers and video gaming. They think of that basement dweller, that person who's got no ambition, no hopes, no drive. And so by asking, how weird are you? Every person tells me they're like 10, 11, 12, I've gotten a 9,076. Like everybody's so strange in their own mind, but after having done something like 240, 250 interviews so far, everybody's the same. There really isn't a difference. There's no such thing as a typical gamer. We're all just people and we share a hobby.
0: That's right. And you know what? One of the things that you said earlier that I loved is that all of life is a game. And one of the things that I like to tell people is that life is like a video game. You start out with your tools, you get through the first level, and then as you progress in your career or school or what, what whatever, you know, you, wherever you are at the time, you acquire more tools to get through to, you know, the next level. So I love that you said that. Share with me, because we have the the same mind frame there, share with me how you came to the conclusion that all of life is a game.
1: I figured that one out when I was back in middle school. Um, I realized that grades it's just a scoring system. So if you do the right things, you get the right score. And so what happened really quickly was everybody would tell me I was really smart when all I was doing was making sure I was getting the points. I just focused on that. And so when I got fast forward to law school, I don't know if anybody out there has been to law school. is just the most difficult slog you could possibly go through. It's like being a cloistered monk, you know, with a candle scrawling with a quill. It's it's, it's horrible. Um, but I was studying 16 hours a day, pretty much my entire first year, until I got two sets of grades in, in that first year. And I went to talk to the professors, and every professor had their own method for scoring. And so I figured, all I got to do is make sure I get the right score, and then I can get the grades. And so I was able to keep a full ride scholarship with a very high GPA requirement just by understanding that you just need to know how to get ahead. And I, I wasn't, I, I don't want to claim that I was particularly smart. I just knew that I had to get a point the way I had to. You translate that into the, the professional world. Say you have a job, your boss probably has an internal scoring system for what they believe is the right way to act. So if you can figure out how that person works, you can get into their good graces and then you can move up. And you know, same with business. If you can figure out what makes a customer tick, what are those things that they score based off of, you can sell them products.
0: You're absolutely right. And I'd never thought of it that way, but you are absolutely correct. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. So in, in talking about all things that we've discussed and the popularity of esports worldwide. Tell us why the gamerpreneur is important in, in this space and you you've shared it with us, but I would love to hear you recap why it's important in the esports space.
1: Certainly. So let me uh, pull back really quick. So video games as a whole the video game industry is the largest entertainment industry in the world. It's larger than movies, television, and radio combined. And it blows people's minds to hear that. It's like, like, really video games? Well, yeah. Esports by itself is a billion dollar slice of that industry. And so there's this huge market potential, and it's only been growing every year, even during the pandemic, it grew year over year. So the the thing about it is, Like I said, it's so many of these people who were gamers, who lived the gamer lifestyle, who maybe did tournaments, who decided they were going to start something, and they scraped it through until they built something that was appealing to an audience, but they don't necessarily know the mechanics. They don't know exactly how it works from a business point of view. They just kind of been hacking at it, hoping they get somewhere. There's opportunity in this space in that... The, you know there's there's so much money being dumped into this from various investors and funders because they all see the potential of it it's like television when it was first starting up it's like football when it was first starting up there's just all of this potential sitting there all they got to do is figure out how to turn it into a real profession
0: you're absolutely right and and i love the the picture that you painted for us there you're you're right that video gaming is the industry itself is very large, and particularly where you are in Las Vegas. I, I and correct me if I'm wrong, but Las Vegas ranks number one right now in in this space. Am, am I right on that?
1: In which respects video games, in esports, esports, esports? Um, I, I don't know, I might put it closer to it's. There, eSports isn't exactly localized, because because of the wonders of the internet, somebody in Calcutta can be an eSports pro. They don't necessarily even have to leave the comfort of their home or the discomfort of their home, but they can be fantastic, and they might get a sponsorship. So there's many different cities trying to be the eSports capital of the world, and, you know. The funny thing is gamers don't like to leave their house. So who's going to go to a stadium, (laughs) which is not true there. There have been plenty of events with, you know, tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of fans in the audience watching and, you know, multiple million dollar prize pools for the winners. It's, it's a huge industry and it's only going to grow as more people kind of get into it. I mean, with the pandemic, you know, ESPN had no sports to play there was there's no football no baseball no basketball they played esports games and so as this starts to get exposed to the larger and larger wider world who aren't familiar with it it's just going to continue to grow and I, I imagine we will see hubs here and there um, whether vegas will be one i mean we have i think two stadiums here but not not too much action since the pandemic
0: Right, but you you're absolutely right. Esports is global; it's happening all around the world, and that's something that should not be lost on those who are learning about the video gaming industry and esports. It's not relegated to one location, but rather global, where you can play at any time with anyone who who is you know playing the same game. So, yes, thank you for for pointing that out. And for our audience, it's six thirty three. And we're having such a wonderful conversation, uh, Dr. Carlton, if you are uh, okay with us staying on to continue our, our conversation, I would love to have. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. So, yes. And in painting that picture of esports being a part of you know, that, that glo- the global ecosystem, what does the business side of esports look like?
1: It's still a nascent industry. It's still new. Um, and so you'll see, you You see that the top echelon of esports, which are the most famous teams out there, like Cloud9 and 100 Thieves, uh, they have lots of money because they had big investors and they were able to hire the proper managers and business professionals to help guide them. Once you kind of get out of that top echelon, it's every man for himself, so to speak. Everybody's trying to figure it out. There's not a lot of dollars there. Everybody's trying to figure out how to make money and they may not have a, a business professional or a sales professional or marketing professional background they may have been a gamer i mean on my show like i said there's no typical gamer i've i've interviewed mechanics i've interviewed uh, anthropologists stay-at-home mothers and so many of them have interest in streaming and esports and they're all just trying to figure it out with their knowledge base and so to answer your question it's it's still new in the sense that people are trying to figure out how to make this work still. You know, when football first started, right? How did they make it work? Well, you know, was it the colleges? I mean, there's a very big push right now to get esports into the the collegiate level and really turn that into a league that can then translate up to a professional level. Okay, well, if you have college level, you need a high school level. So there's people pushing that as well. Then, you know, there's the, the fact that once you reach a certain age, roughly 22 to 25, your reflexes start to deteriorate. And so, the age range of esports is actually really small on the professional player side. And so, we're all trying to learn how this is working right now and how that'll apply in the future.
0: You're absolutely right. And, and I, I'd like to point out uh, several things that you've just said that I, I really like. And you let me know how, how you think about it. But you mentioned football and the start of football. And I feel like right now we're in such an exciting time because we are witnessing another form of entertainment, uh, another form of sport that is emerging before our eyes. And that is a special moment because you know, we, we don't know when there would be another time where a, a new sport would just emerge the way that it has and grown the way that it has. So, so that's, that's one. I, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. My thoughts,
1: I don't know how other people feel about this one. Okay. I'm not, I don't see it as the emergence of a new sport. I see more of an emergence of a new entertainment industry. And the reason being is it's not one e-sport. Right. There, there's multiple different games and every year new games come out and some of those get turned into new e-sports games. And, you know, uh, sometimes a game will get an update. So, you know, it's not like in football, as an example, the size of the ball changes drastically, but in an esport, that might happen. Like the, the rules of the game might change. And so I see it more of as an entertainment industry because it's, it's, much, it's, it's, it's widespread. There's, there's more than just the one aspect to it. And gamers are particular. They don't necessarily watch just one game, right? Like if you're a basketball fan, you may not care about tennis, Just like you may be a fan of League of Legends, but not Rocket League. And so I see it more of this this broader collective of entertainment than just individual sports.
0: And that's very true. And I I like that you point that out because we we do for the or I have for the sake of comparison said, well, look at esports and look at football when it's not. The, the two are are an apples to oranges comparison, so i I appreciate you pointing that out. Yes, Absolutely. and I also uh, appreciate the fact that you talk about the the players and the different walks of life of those players that everyone is not out the gate a professional eSports player that people have full, you know, daytime jobs, or they're doing different things. And so this is a form of entertainment that can be enjoyed by anyone. Absolutely.
1: There's amateur leagues, there's semi-professional leagues, there's just groups of friends. Um, If you want to go professional as a player, you need to start young. And if you're over 25, I'm sorry, (laughs) you're too old at this point. Um, Not to say that somebody couldn't like pull it out, but it's just a matter of reflexes and the body does start to slow down.
0: Yes, and, and I appreciate the fact that you pointed that out. Now, let's talk about the spectator side, the fan experience when it comes to brands and advertising. There are, are a number of your brands who've been in existence for a very long time. They're used to the traditional methods of getting their goods out into the marketplace but eSports you know the industry itself is is different so talk about what brands and advertisers would need to know about their involvement in the space
1: certainly so the space um, on the advertising side is broken into kind of two parts and it's known as the endemic portion and the uh, non endemic portion. So the endemic advertisers, now just as a sidebar, I don't like those terms because the root of endemic is the same root as pandemic. It's not a good thing, but that's beside the point. It's the term that's used in the space. Um, so the endemic advertisers and brands are the ones that seem like they would be related to gaming and esports. So it's like Intel and Razer, so mice and keyboards, headsets, uh, monitors, uh, the, the equipment itself. And then you have the non-endemic brands, which is everybody else who's trying to figure out how do we sell stuff to gamers. And so you have to understand that if you're not one of those endemic brands where it makes sense to be selling this stuff and in a way that they would be using it for this purpose of gaming, you have to find another, another route to do it. So KFC is a fantastic example of a brand that tries to find a way to do it. Um, they, they've sponsored di- different tournaments and different events on Twitch. Some of them actually come back to bite them. Uh, they had a, um, a, an emote that people were able to use in their chat and it was a, a, a bucket of chicken. And it kind of came back on them because start, people started using it in a racist manner. And so it hurt KFC's image by having this particular marketing campaign. And then KFC just a few months ago announced that they were creating their own video game console and they were gonna include a chicken chamber. It was a, a heated chamber that you could put your chicken in to keep it warm and it would just radiate the heat from the CPU. <laughs> I love the idea personally, but you know, if you're non endemic, you kind of, You can try to play that game of being like a gamer and trying to get in there. And I personally, again, my, my stance is gamers are normal people. It's a hobby. If You can just talk to them like real people and don't try to be a gamer for gamers, you don't have like, just sell like you normally would.
0: Right, you're, <laughs> I did see that. Uh, that that was definitely a, a colorful moment there. <laughs> yes, but you're you're absolutely right. There are a number of brands who are wanting to insert themselves into this space. How successful do you think the future of esports will be? Uh, since people are now seeing the popularity of it and seeing that this is where a large population of our gamers are.
1: I believe that the future of esports depends on one factor. And that's whether brands can figure out how to monetize that audience that esports is getting. And that's kind of the largest issue that they're having is these brands and advertisers and sponsors are dumping all these money onto these teams, but are they getting the ROI back? And by and large, the literature showing that they're not getting that ROI back. And so what happens once these advertisers realize, you know, after a year, two years, three years, four years, they're not getting any money back on their investments, like are they going to pull out or are we going to find a way to activate that audience? And so if the person who's able to really figure out how to activate the esports audience and turn them into buying customers is the person who's going to make the most money in this space.
0: Mm, that is interesting. So... Let's talk about the the flip side, and you alluded to this earlier on careers in esports. There is a lot of opportunities, and you you said it yourself, uh, finding a way to activate the audience. There's a lot of money in it uh, for for that piece, but there are other opportunities uh, for people to have long term careers in in the industry. Share with us uh, what what type of careers are available.
1: Certainly. So you have your careers that are focused on esports, like inside the core of esports. So that's the players, that's the coaches, that's the team management, uh, that's tournament organizers, that's individuals who are focused on getting brand partnerships and sponsorships. And then if you you go back a little further, you've got your marketers and you've got your business professionals. You have attorneys, accountants. Um, but it's it's so funny to me because it's. There's no difference. This is just another industry to me. It's if you could look at any other industry out there, what kinds of things get sold to them? Pretty much everything. And so there's, there's no real difference in esports. We're just trying to figure out how to sell to these, these companies that are starting up in the esports space, or so trying to figure out how to sell sell to the customers or the audience in the esports space. And you can be anything you want. Their audience is there. Uh, Video games, I believe, it comprises something like 2.3 billion people on this planet at the moment. Uh, so it's nearly a full third of the planet are gamers. There's going to be there's a potential there for anybody who wants to do anything.
0: And you're living proof of that.
1: Yes, thank you.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. So I uh, definitely want to acknowledge Uh, that and give you your, your shine as it relates to that, because like you said, you you were able to uh, marry the fact that you are an attorney and turn that into an opportunity as a successful business consultant for gamers. So uh, that's, that's great. Um, Going back to something that you mentioned earlier as well, your lifelong love of video gaming and how video gaming early on was viewed as something totally different than what it is now. Talk about the, the reasons you think gaming has transformed from the way people thought back then to be, being the serious business that it is now.
1: Certainly, it's just a new technology. And same thing happened with television, happened with radio, happened with newspaper. You know, every time a new technology comes out, there's the people who see it for what it is immediately. And it's a very small percentage of the population. They try to, they tinker with it, they figure it out, they're the early adopters. And then as they start to figure out these really cool things you can do with this technology, other people start seeing what they're doing, go, hey, that does look cool and then it starts to spread, starts to spread until it becomes mainstream. You know, video games started, what, back in the 70s. So a little bit before my time. And I was was born a little bit after the the Nintendo, Nintendo Entertainment System came out. And that's kind of really like the golden age of games, right? You know, they started advertising it and every family had a Nintendo in their household. But no one wanted their kids to play it too much because it's gonna rot your brain. We don't know what this thing is. We don't know what it's gonna do. And through the 90s and the early 2000s, we got so many different news articles and uh, and reports and news organizations about children being affected by violent content and the effect it was having on them, despite the fact that no reputable research has showed any actual correlation between video games and violence. So it's simply, we have to get past the stereotypes, past past the stigmas of a new technology, just like every other technology. And you think about it back in the fifties when the computers were still brand new and they took up entire rooms, anybody who was interested at all were nerds and they were shunned and ostracized for it. Same with gamers.
0: Now this is this is an exciting time because gameplay is opening so many doors, uh, so many career opportunities, and it goes beyond just the sheer entertainment. And that's the exciting part about it. Uh, so, yes, I, I definitely want to, um, you know, just highlight the fact that, again, you, you are uh, a product of, of that having uh, an attorney and then, you know, coming back full circle into video gaming. So it, it is possible. And, and I love the fact that uh, you're in this space and the Gamerpreneur podcast and all that you're doing. It's just great. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So before we conclude, I have to ask, what's your favorite game? What do you like to play?
1: My favorite game of all time, because I actually I ask everybody on my show that question, I have to have an answer myself, right, <laughs> is, um, is Chrono Trigger on the Super Nintendo. It's a close second, is Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars. I think they are just classic RPGs. They were The music was done incredibly well. The story was absolutely fantastic. They've, they've withstood the test of time. Even today, if you hand those games to somebody, they'll still love them. Um, what do I play today? I play uh, World of Warcraft still. So 15 years after I started playing it, I still play Warcraft.
0: <laughs> okay. Do you still, uh, are you still a part of the same team that you started out with or has that evolved over time? Oh
1: no. When I, when I went to law school, I, I left it behind for several years. Uh, they all moved on. People got real jobs. They, they grew up. I, um, I don't have a lot of time to play now. I don't, I don't do any of the rating. I don't do any of the leadership or anything like that. I just, I just putter around when I have some free time.
0: Okay. Well, that's that's really good that you've shared with us your, your journey. I have enjoyed talking with you. Please share with us again, how do we access your podcast?
1: Certainly. So you can find me on Facebook at The Gamerpreneur. I'm also on Twitter at The Gamerpreneur and YouTube. You can find me under the name of The Gamerpreneur.
0: Okay. Wonderful. And share with us if there is a gamer who is listening or tuning in, because we also have a podcast, how would someone reach out to you to be able to utilize your services?
1: You can reach out to me through any of those platforms. You can also reach out to me through my email, which is bradford at thegamerpreneur.com.
0: Wonderful. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on. We've had a great conversation. And for our viewers out there, please go and support Dr. Carlton and the Gamerpreneur Podcast. And if you are a gamer who wants to enter into the business side of esports, Dr. Carleton is there for you, so thank you again for coming on. And if you'd like to learn more about Blue Scorpion Reputation Management, please visit us at bluescorpionrm.com. If you'd like to receive our weekly business tips, please text us to blue tips at six three nine seven five. So thank you again, and. Dr. Carlton, you have a great night. Thank
1: you so much, Kimberly. Thank you again for inviting me on.
0: Absolutely, and you're more than welcome to come back on anytime there's a new topic that you'd like to share with our audience.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Okay, you have a good one. Good night, everyone.